This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. However, it applies as we continue on through here. Uh, combine previews, pre-combine mock drafts, obviously a certain wide receiver we're going to talk about here with a year-long injury that is now going to get cleaned up. Some listener questions. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, SportsIllustrated.com's Mr. Pete Smith, uh, your local experts on the biggest stories, all things Cleveland Browns-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, Pete, the Jarvis thing, I, I guess the timing of it, is weird and you know there's always trolls that come in and nowhere and you know comparing it to Bo Jackson, whatever. But Pete, this was something that I remember we talked about this almost a year ago, going back to his charity softball game. You know, made it through the year. Um, obviously with some rest when the season ended, you know, it started to feel better, but until you start amping it up again, you have no idea. Um, whether it was the dodgeball or the, you know, the slow jog pace that is the Pro Bowl. Um, just realized it probably was something that wasn't going away. Um, six to eight month, you know, recovery is what they say. Obviously, you know, anything can change or, you know, good, bad, indifferent as far as that is going. Um, if there's, you know, one player, I mean, the most established receiver Baker's had to this point through two years has been Jarvis Landry. I'm sure you'd love to have him around for, you know, OTAs and all that stuff as you're putting in a new system. But if it's going to be another season where it's, you know, He's only available, you know, a little bit on Thursday, somewhat on Friday. I mean, you just – you got to deal with the punches. This game comes with injuries, and as we talked about last night, maybe that's where the stupidity of an extra regular season game and the extra playoff game could lie for some of these. You know, these guys get beat up enough as it is. Um, it's At this point, it, it's about just getting right. And, look, I mean, you'll make do. You'll figure a way out of it. Just get right, and let's get going. Uh, yeah, I mean, it. <clears throat> his uh, sort of mini, mini documentary you did on Instagram was sort of interesting, uh, saying that, you know, ramping up for the Pro Bowl, he thought he'd feel good. Um, it felt worse than he even remembered, so he went ahead and did it. Um, I, I don't – I don't know – who, who said six to eight months? Because when you watch the thing, they don't say. And then, um, you know, the, the, the doctor initially doesn't make it sound like it's a huge procedure. And then it's a little bit bigger than he thought it was, but it still doesn't seem to be. So I'm not sure what to make of that. But certainly it's a kick in the nuts for the, uh, you know, this offense they're trying to put together uh, because they want to be able to, everything clicking and if it's you know if it's just if it's um if it's closer to six months um that's august if it's closer to eight months that's you know potentially significant pup time so that's um that could be a, a major major deal for this and uh, for the Browns trying to sort of build an offense, they, they may have to, you know, we'll see uh, how this progresses and everything, but they may have to sort of plan to not have him for a while. So that could change a lot. And, you know, with 
Odell coming overcoming, you know, obviously his own surgery, the core hernia surgery, you know, however you want to describe it. Um, you could be looking at a lot of um Damian Ratley, Taiwan Taylor, and whoever, um, you know, Kadero Hodge as your wide receivers. Obviously, it's not the plan. Um, it's unfortunate, sure. Um, yeah, you know, and there were some oh you have, you know, who knows when you'll see Jarvis Landry's a gamer. Um and at the end of the day, I'm not that concerned about it. Uh, I think they'll both be there. I'd say they'll be there for camp, however it works out. Um, it's just, you know, it, it just stinks that last year you worked with this and it was, you know, Friday and limited practices. And maybe this will be something where you can get more out of them during the week if they're, you know, better off and they're healthy. Uh, you know, it's, you know, blow, yes, significant. We'll see how significant it does become it's you know there is a you know question in that respect but you know it's it's a brutal game um it's brutal on the body it's the nature of the beast and you know there's just shit like this essentially there's nothing you can do about it no i mean they the the only thing that this sort of does is it makes it so they they know this is coming so they don't have to uh they, they aren't going to you know, they aren't getting caught by surprise, so they have to plan ahead and they have to plan as if he isn't going to be there and what that looks like. If that means trying to draft a receiver earlier or, you know, try to find a free agent they want to get to uh, in the mix or whatever that looks like, that they have to sort of plan it as Beckham and, you know, I assume some tight end contributions and then the receivers. Uh, and then Landry becomes more of a bonus. And the thing that's going to hurt Landry, at least we'll see, but uh, this could very well be his last season with the Browns. So, you know, it's if, if that proves to be the case, it obviously makes it more difficult in terms of, uh, you know, his negotiating power if, he's, if they're trying to restructure or if they just want to flat out cut him. Uh, it makes it more difficult for him the following year to uh, negotiate a bigger deal. Um, then, I mean, look, if you're also looking for some continuity, continuity through, you know, OTAs and, you know, we'll see whether or not he's a part of it. There was that Rashard Higgins guy who, you know, Baker Mayfield seemed to have a really, really strong relationship with. Uh, we got wide receiver combine preview to get to here. And there's a lot to this one here, you know, mock draft. Hopefully sneaking a listener question or two. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, taking you through here on what is your Friday Locked On Browns. Um, this may just roll on through the weekend because we got a lot of Bazuma groups to get through here before everything starts kicking off in Indy. Guys, gals, let's talk about good sex. Remember the days when you, ladies, him, were always ready to go? Now you can increase, increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. It's simple. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know, they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready for whenever that situation arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who cannot perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance the performance in the bedroom. Um, look, uh, you get a weekend away, you get a night at home where the kids are out, whatever it may be. 
um, every now and then, you might want that double header. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Shouldn't be that way. Everybody's just trying to please each other. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 for your shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we appreciate them for their sponsorship of Locked on Browns. Now, Pete, this wide receiver class, and this, it's nuts, and I forget who it was, and it may have been Mel Kuyper. I, I think he said 25 to 30 in the first three rounds. Um, just because it's a great class, I don't know if that's necessarily going to dictate teams are just going to go chase it. If it's good, it's deep. I think there's going to be smart teams that are going to say, well, why am I chasing it? Um, there's going to be really, really good players, wide receivers available on day three. There's going to be really, really impressive receivers that might be available as undrafted free agents. For the Browns, I don't know if maybe this prior prioritizes it higher necessarily as much as it is more of, well, hey, all right, you know, maybe we weren't really looking round four. Maybe we weren't really looking, you know, uh, round six, seven. Maybe now that's going to be a case and you're going to want somebody in here in that regard. But Pete, I mean, to, you know, and there was always the draft wise of, you know, the 2014 class, the 2014 class. This can rival the 2014 class, but this could also be the class where nobody says 2014 class anymore. This could also be now the benchmark, so to speak, is the 2020 class. Um, I guess it's possible. The problem is I don't think any of them are going to go quite as early as the 2014 guys did. For example, I think that's what happens when you have such a good tackle group, but go ahead. Right. I mean, so Sammy Watkins goes, uh, four, uh, Odell Beckham goes what, uh, nine and, uh, Mike Evans goes seven. Um, and in this class, there's a real good chance that none of those guys are going to go, uh, none of these guys are going to go in the top 10. Um, maybe one will sneak in, but in general, um, it's, you know, it's real good possibility. You're not going to see uh, a, a guy come off the board till like 12th pick. So that's the difference. Now this obviously has historic quality and depth, but it's just hard to do that in the same way that like, you know, when they compare it to the quarterback class, of, you know, 83, the 2004 class of quarterbacks, they had a quarterback go one, they had a quarterback go four, and they had a quarterback go, uh, what was it, 11? Um, you, you sort of, in that sense, you sort of have to have those guys go super, super early. But uh, there's no shortage of quality, and it's really going to be a question of uh, who can sort of pluck the guys out that are, you know, that are going to translate and who's going to just, completely whiff and end up with, you know, basically Troy Williamson. I think the thing also here is going to be with this class being so good and so deep, it's going to be like the, who kind of like pulls the first apple off the tree. And, you know, we've already gone through 10 picks here through our pre-combine mock. 
And I agree for to the most part, maybe Arizona, maybe because you want to find, you know, that life after Larry Fitzgerald, but they did draft a bunch of wide receivers last year. So you want to see where that year two development is going to be with Kyler Murray. And they did give him that advantage to go BPA uh, with their, you know, re-signing of DJ Humphrey. Um, you start with, whether it's the Alabama kids, it's, you know, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, um, you know, CeeDee Lamb. Um, there are so many ways to go with this. I mean, in, to sit down and to rank all these wide receivers and God bless everybody. Once we get the final information, because you know, it's nobody's list is going to be close. Nobody's list is going to be the same. I mean, there's just so much diversity in this class. There are your, as everybody loves to say here, Cleveland lines. Oh, we want that big tall guy by the red zone. Okay. There's a bunch of those guys. Okay. We want guys that maybe could be true traditional ones. Okay. There's a bunch of those guys. We want guys that could be, you know, solid route runners, catch everything that's thrown to them, number two wide receivers. Okay, there's a bunch of those guys. We want guys that can do a little bit of everything, whether it's a Hamler, whether it's a, you know, LaVisca Chanel. There's guys that can, you know, be those, you know, take the jet sweeps, give you that look. I mean, it's a crazy abundance of what this class can be. I mean, Pete, there's 55 of these wide receivers headed to Indy. Right, and you know, again, there, there's so many, um, so many of these offenses that put so many out there. Obviously, Alabama uh, is you know lauded for having you know quote unquote four first round picks because you can so many of these offenses make make it so you can put them all on the field at the same time, uh, and that's you know that's where the game has gone. So there's all kinds of opportunities, and and it makes it so the quality keeps going up and the cost keeps going down. I mean, you look at this, Ohio State's sending three wide receivers here. And I don't even know if you combine these guys together. They had more than 12, 1500 yards. It's this class just goes for days. Um, You know, there's some that, you know, I'm not as high on as others. Um, And and this is where I'm going to go to you. Higgins, Clemson. He's one where it's sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's like, "Eh, well, all right. I'll go on to the next page, watch somebody else. Well, I mean, look, there, there's, uh, you know, uh, the math sort of sorts out some of these guys for me. So uh, I know, uh, you know, there are plenty of people who think Henry Ruggs III is the best receiver in the class. I have uh, uh, he He didn't produce like that ever. Um, and, you know, you're taking a lot on potential and stuff, but that's why there's, uh, he may be as great as some people all think, but at the same time, it's also really possible that, uh, that would, there's an explainable bust rate that could happen with him. So uh, we'll see. I mean, there are some guys that I certainly have my eyes on to make a lot of sense. Uh, and I, I don't doubt that as this process goes along, I will only find more of them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think there's quality to be had all over this thing and it, it's really about finding the right place to make your pick I, I think the the worry you have is you want to get your guy but at the same time you don't want to pay an exorbitant amount for it because there's so many that some of these teams may wait two and three rounds later that uh could uh by that you know get a a, a player that's sort of like 80% of what you took, but they may have gotten a round or two later. Exactly. There's the this or that. Would you rather pay the price tag for this guy at 27 or get a little bit discount of 
a guy who's going to give you similar type of stuff at 54. Um, you know, whether it's Justin Jefferson from LSU, who looks like he's going to be a guy that's just, you know, maybe Jarvis Landry's that type of comp, you know, maybe the Jarvis Landry of my, you know, the Miami Dolphin era, that type of player, you know, Von Jefferson, he runs fantastic routes, but you're talking about a guy who's much older, you know, Colin Jeff, Colin Johnson from Texas, who's that blend of size, speed. I, I mean, this goes, this list goes on for stinking ever. Um, then there's a couple of guys who really had really, really bad situations, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, Jalen Rager is one from TCU, um, quarterback play. You try to watch it and you almost like feel for the kid because it's like, well, what is going on here? Um, there's Juwan Jennings from Tennessee, who was, you know, a problem child, but has done a lot to you know clean everything up for him himself. Donovan People Jones from Michigan, another guy who, you know, the quarterback play was absolutely atrocious. And this guy was a five-star recruit. It's it, it's it's like the it's like Christmas and the presents never end. And you just it's gonna be really tough because some of these guys are gonna have incomplete profiles, and for some of them, it's not necessarily their fault. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's no question there's any number of players that will fall victim to circumstances that puts them in great situations or puts them in bad situations. But, yeah, um, again, this is, you know, you use market share uh, can help with this because you get guys like Calvin Johnson who, you know, played with Reggie Ball, and he didn't throw a ton, but he still produced out of this world. And, uh, you know, like Tyler Johnson has four years of, of uh, elite production at a Big Ten school. So um, you have to, uh, to me, that's why I think you have to look at the math and why you have to be smart about this type of thing. Because if you don't, um, you're going to go for gaudy numbers that really don't mean much. Um, well, and the thing with Tyler Johnson, and every they all keep saying it, look, if it's something off field and there's something we don't, oh, well, you know, you know draft Twitter's higher, um, the NFL is not. If there's something off field, Somebody spill the freaking beans at, at this point because whatever it is, what it is. Cause there's always guys with these off field issues. Um, Jeff Thomas, another one that this would, this guy would have been a Pete. This would have been John Dorsey with a bullet salivating typical guy there. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the, and then you get a guy like, you know, Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin who had, you know, seemed to have clearly charges had these horrible accusations put against him. That never stuck, you know, and you know he's been through a lot personally. It's it's almost like it, it's so deep at wide receiver where they could just say, "Hey, all right, there's enough of them. We're gonna do just two rounds wide receivers, and everybody, all right, we'll go here because it's insane how deep this is, and you're gonna get value late, like you know Mims from Baylor, and here it is again, again, Pete. I'm freaking rolling down the road of falling in love with a Baylor wide receiver, but everything this kid does is quality. And when I see a guy like Matt Waldman say, Hey, this may be my number three wide receiver in this class because he catches the ugly ball. He runs the routes really well. And I don't normally give a crap about blocking, but if he does a and B and C it's like, Oh Jesus. Like how can you turn your back on these type of guys? Well, you know, he he's, pretty productive. He had a really nice day, nice week at the senior bowl. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, so much of this becomes down to what type of player do you, are you looking for and what do they do for you and how do they fit? And there's no shortage of, uh, you know, different body types, different skill sets, you know, speed, whatever. 
there's there's a little something for everybody in this class so it really comes down to what you're you're trying to find now with you know you look at what you know, Stefanski comes here from from Minnesota you know obviously you know Diggs great route runner Adam Thielen great route runner this is probably the guys we should be gravitating towards Pete are the guys that are going to run the route to the letter and make to make sure the timing is not disrupted especially when there is a lot of play action influence to this uh hard to say i mean they have you know like four guys who are wide receiver coaches by trade um so i don't know how much they're going to prioritize route running so much if they believe they can coach it out of said player i mean chad o'shea wide receiver coach uh one of the guys they hired yesterday was a wide receiver coach uh, who's going to be one of the quality control guys. Uh, they, they have just a lot of guys who've specifically been doing this type of thing. So they may want guys who are just simply detail-oriented and, and those type of things that can do that stuff right now, and they may, you know, want more athletic tools that can sort of they, – they believe they can teach up. I mean, some of that comes down to – uh, you know, this is how you got a guy like Corey Coleman. I mean, you didn't vet him off the field, but uh, there's no question of what they were trying to do is they took a guy who had out of the world production, explosive off the charts, showed some some crazy ability on tape, but just wasn't polished, and they thought they could, you know, take that and make it into something. And there are a number of guys who are going to be in this class that fit that mold. Um, I I kind of think they're more inclined to do that, but uh, who knows? I mean, a guy like Tyler Johnson is pretty well polished, but he's also insanely productive and may not test as well. And unless there's something else there, you know, he, if he's sitting there and you can add him and hell yeah. But uh, you know, some of these guys are, are, are significant underclassmen. There aren't that many good route runners anyway. Yeah. I mean, the thing with me with Tyler Johnson is if, you know, the Richard Higgins thing does not continue. I think that becomes a seamless transition. And now Tyler comes in who the, the fantastic production seems to run the routes really well. And now he gets to work side by side day in, day out, week in, week out with a guy like Odell and Jarvis and all their success that it just seems like the easiest of transitions. And he'd be perfect with here. I, I think again, for the 5 millionth time, I think, you know, he would be somebody that would, extremely gel well with Baker Mayfield. We've got picks 11 through 15 coming on the pre-combine mock here. Um, if you folks have the Google home, something you got for Christmas or you've had it play latest Cleveland Browns news, you'll get yours truly um, you know, short condensed stuff, more factual, obviously with you know Pete and I here on the longer show, you get stuff more broken down. But Google Home, you'll either get a one-minute version, you'll get the you know four or five-minute version. Um, you know, I'm doing a prospect a day uh, over there. Um, you know, obviously, you know, finalizing the coaches' changes here, getting um, you a little more you know bio on that stuff. You know, we did some stuff on Jarvis today, but you got the Google Home. Go ahead, ask it to play you the latest Cleveland Browns news. You'll get all this stuff here from Locked On Browns. As we do roll on through here, um, still not a wide receiver off the board. New York Jets on the clock at 11. There is a million ways the Jets can go. Look, you know you've got a quarterback. Um, do they move on from Le'Veon Bell or not? Which maybe, whatever, 
that was a move for maybe the sake of making a move. Um, you've got a couple of pieces in the secondary. You still need more. Um, and it's, let's see, it's 2020 now. The Jets are still looking for that edge rusher since, I don't know, 20 freaking years now at this point. They need offensive line help to protect their franchise quarterback, very similar to the Cleveland Browns. Pete, the New York Jets, and, and this was the best part about the, oh, Odell Beckham Jr. would be really you know interested if the possibility could go back to New York and play for the Jets. Uh, he's really close with Jarvis Landry. Do you think he has any interest in playing for Adam Gase? Whatever. Jets on the clock, Pete, at 11. Uh, so, look, they have had Sam Darnold entering his third year. Um, they have uh, questions all across the offense, but uh, first and foremost, it comes down to, is your quarterback going to be alive? Um, and to that end, they're going to go ahead and jump on Andrew Thomas. Uh, you know, they can figure out something to do with Kelvin Beecham or not, but they need to actually build something around. And right now, the offensive line for the New York Jets is entirely made up of free agents they've added, except for uh, Brian Winters. And I don't think that contract's working out as well as they had hoped. Uh, Brian Winters, uh, I think he was... Brian Winters was the best of not such a great group. So, you know, that's very, very interesting in that regard. Uh, thank you at Poker Wing 2004. Uh, we'll get to that here in a second. Um, now it brings us to 12, and I'm going to say it correctly. The first pick of a couple here. Um, the revamping, the retooling of what is now the Las Vegas Raiders. I hate it. I'll get used to it. The stadium looks freaking gorgeous. Las Vegas Raiders at 12, Pete. Uh, so I want to be clear. This is certainly not what I would do. But because the Raiders seem to be drafting on brand as opposed to uh, the, making the best players possible, uh, they go ahead and take uh, Jeff Judy from Alabama. Um, Jerry. They obviously they obviously lost Amari Cooper um, trading, and they still have to make a firm decision on the quarterback situation. But the problem they have is is they should probably take somebody like Javon Kinlaw here and really give themselves just one more great piece uh, to this defensive line but and, and wait on wide receivers. But – uh, you know, last year, at least, and maybe this is going to change, but Mike Mayock basically admitted he just drafted brand. Uh, so he basically just out. Uh, Everybody came Alabama. from the national championship game in that draft last year. Yeah, all Alabama and Clemson guys. So, I mean, it's either Judy or T. Higgins or Henry Ruggs. So I think they'll take uh, Judy here. If it was Al Davis, you know damn well it would be Henry Ruggs. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, up at 13 overall. Um, I guess before we even get to the pick here, Pete, is this where Phillip Rivers is playing quarterback in 2020? Is Phillip Rivers the Indianapolis Colts quarterback? Um, I don't know if it'll be Phillip Rivers. I don't think it'll be a young quarterback. I mean, theoretically, you know, if the Raiders... They built that team for now. Luck dealt them the worst blow ever by retiring. The team is... This team, that team expected to be in the playoffs and deep into the playoffs this year. 
I, I don't think you're going, you know, and everybody, oh, well, Jordan loves a popular name. Well, even still, if you like Jordan Love, whatever, draft him whenever you want, but whatever. This team was not built for a rookie quarterback. This team was built for somebody that has some sustainability at least for a year or two. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, it could be Philip Rivers, you know, if, if something insane happens, it could be Derek Carr, um, it could be, you know, Nick Foles, it could be any number of different veterans, but I don't think it'll be a younger quarterback. Uh, and it's certainly result, not going to be Jacoby Brissett. Right, and I, and I don't think, I think ultimately they're going to sign one of those big ticket free agent defensive ends, although I said that last year and they didn't. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be able to get. Well, they did. No, you had Justin Houston on the Colts last year. Well, yes, I did. But well, it was I big think, ticket, you know, but he was, you know. You know, if it's Yannick Ngakwe or one of those guys, it's sure as hell better not be opening day starter Kamoko Ture. Uh, so coming it, off it, a it, mangled ankle, but go ahead. Yeah, he's just not very good either. Um, so in that scenario, if they're going to sign an edge rusher, then they do take Javon Kinlaw, and they go ahead and upgrade the middle, which has largely been just big tubs of crap, um, forming that sort of big heavy wall. And I think they want to get a little bit more athletic and a little bit more pressure up the middle from that standpoint. And if they have Justin Houston, if it, let's say it's a Yannick Ngakwe, and they can add a Javon Kinlaw in there, I think they can have a nasty – uh, pass rush up the middle that can do some damage for them, which is really where they need to be. Yeah, I mean, you put Kinlaw in there with those other pieces, and look, you have the solid, you know, Mike linebacker who seems to, you know, when he's healthy, makes every tackle possible. Hopefully, you're getting health out of you know Malik Hooker. Um, yeah, and you bring in a Philip Rivers, you know, with some of the stuff he got in offense. Yeah, seems to be working, cooking with gas, so to speak. Fourteen Tampa. Um, this seems to be, you know, can we get Phillip Rivers? And when you don't, we're going to rerun it again with Jameis Winston. Be that as it may. And I probably lost a bet here, Pete, because I think that's somewhere along the line. I said Tampa was going to be drafting top five. Somehow they nickeled and dimed their way to drafting 14th. You should be drafting top five. Another team that screwed up the tank, so to speak. Tampa, 14 on the clock. Um, so the it's it's really a question of which uh, position they're going to address. I think they're they're picking between defensive linemen here. Um, they could either take uh, H AJ Ipineza from Iowa and you know move, or if they're going to be able to re-sign him, move Sue to the other end spot, uh, or have uh, Epinesa play across from him. Or they can go after uh, the kid from LSU. What's his face? Uh, Jason? Yeah, Kaysen. Um Ultimately. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. So I think ultimately what they're going to do is they're going to be able to sign Shaq Barrett. He seems pretty intent on going there. And I think they're going to go Plus ahead. Plus you get that little add- bonus of the Florida no state income tax. So that's always a nice one. Right. So we'll see. Because I, I can really see them go either way on this. I'm going to say they'll take AJ Epinesa and get a little bit of a thicker 3 4 DN type that can also be a nice inside rusher, uh, outside rusher type thing. Um, I'm probably going to be wrong, dead wrong on that. And they may go the other way. But 
they've already got that lightweight pass rush guy in Barrett. They may want to go with a guy with a little more uh, mass uh, to help up front next to Vitavea. And if they keep Sue another year, keep him. Uh, so I'll go with that. So Espenza is the pick at 14, correct? Yes, Epinesa. Absolutely, Epinesa. Okay, that puts us to 15 and Denver. Um, ben Albright, uh, obviously a buddy to everybody here, obviously, all doing what we're doing. He seems to be saying they are going to buy defense. They're going to build offense, which would mean draft. Obviously, that's, nothing's going to influence Pete Smith. Denver Broncos on the clock at 15, and we see them yet again for a third season in a row this year. I do believe we do, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they're locked into Henry Ruggs. Um, I don't know if that's a good idea, uh, but that does fit Drew Locke in terms of his physical characteristics and some of the things he can do. Um, again, that's certainly not where I would go with that, but I think they are uh, locked in on that, um, and they're going to go ahead and add Henry Ruggs, uh, the wide receiver. So the first two wide receivers off the board are uh, both Bama guys. Interesting. Um, you know, C.D. Lamb, I think that, you know, and I agree with you here, the C.D. Lamb production is off the charts. I think he's, you know, has a chance to answer a ton of questions with the combine coming up. Um, first one here, and this wasn't a question, but, not, you know, it was more of a, you know, something sent forward. Snacks Harrison, Pete, is, and this was still the weirdest thing when they gave up a fifth and brought him to Detroit where nothing was going on, and, you know. You make that move if you, you think you're a D-tackle away from something. Detroit, similar to Cleveland and other franchises, they not very close to anything. Snacks Harrison is available. Is this something you get on and you get on quick or at least try to get on quick? The player has always been there. Um, you know, Obviously, there were questions of you know whether it was going to mull retirement. Look, this guy, undrafted free agent, made a boatload of money in this league. But – Pete, he's, he's a space eater, and the other thing is, is he does make plays. Yes. Um, look, if you're asking me would I like to have Snacks Harrison on the Browns, the answer is yes. The problem is I think he's going to be a guy who's not in a hurry to sign, and he's going to hang out and wait until he gets his price, and I don't think the Browns are in the market to do that. So as much as he, he would be very good for what the Browns could use, I don't think they're going to go that route. Uh, so I will, I mean, I, I would say I would like him, but I just don't think he's worth what he's going to ultimately be getting. And I don't think the Browns are going to sort of wait around, uh, for him because it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he doesn't sign till like July, um, you know, they'll probably come out tomorrow and say he's already signed with somebody, but I think he's a guy who not wrongly can sort of hang out and wait to see what the market does. The thing with him and as far as regards to this is when you get guys like this, a lot of it is connection. And, you know, what would he have here? You know, Everson Griffin is not going to be a Viking anymore. That seems more like you can connect the dots and you get that so much in the league where it's not essentially using like the buddy system, but it's, you know, flowing to where you're comfortable. All right, well, we got this money for you. You know what you're going to do with us. You know, we've been with you before, and that's where this becomes difficult with a guy like Snacks Harrison. You don't have that, you know, 
all right, well, I put a text into him. He'd be glad to come in and talk with us. It, it's more of a, you know, it's completely, you know, getting to know you and that whole type of thing. It's not like it's a, hey, wow, this really broke in our favor. He loves me. I love him. We still talk, even though we don't even work together anymore. And that's where you get into these difficult positions. Sure. Uh, and he's, you know, I, I don't know what his priorities are. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if, you know, he were to end up in New England, uh, that type oh of situation. So, so much depends on what is important to him. If he's trying to get a Super Bowl ring, uh, you know, it, it'll change the dynamic quite a bit. If he's more interested in money, um, you know, that's certainly his, his his prerogative, and that still may not be Cleveland. So either way, I don't think it makes a ton of sense for, for the Cleveland Browns to necessarily be in the market. Uh, no, it's, you know, it'd be fantastic. It'd be a slam dunk in a heartbeat because, you know, with Larry Ogunjobi in this crusade to, you know, get himself down to a slimmer version, which God bless him for it. But sometimes you just need that absolute anchor at the defensive tackle position. And he kind of would bring that. Um, next question here. Um, obviously, you know, some of these assistants added today. Um, it, it's interesting the way this is working out here, Pete. You know, Jeremy Garrett, um, this hire um, is similar maybe to like an Andrew Barry. This is a guy who was, you know, decided not to go football right out of the way. Um, you know, in banking, that type of thing. And, you know, kind of went the more difficult route after, you know, he did some, you know, post, uh, you know, post football stuff, got a, you know, uh, a bachelor's degree. Um, I'm sorry, master's degree went into that route. Now he takes the more difficult route of trying to go into this route. So maybe it's something like where Barry, you know, Andrew Barry can understand that. And then there's a Brandon Lynch, Brandon Lynch, who's, you know, similar to Kevin Stefanski. It's like, you know, I remember being the guy to turn off the last lights, you know, having all the film cuts, everything was ready to go the next morning. It's kind of, you know, the pay it forward approach or whatever, but you're trying to see where, you know, these guys are starting to look for guys that, you know, paying it forward, that type of thing, of course, you know, it's, you know, I remember being that guy. So, you know, it, it's interesting how it's all going to work together. You know, obviously Lynch has, you know, familiarity with Joe Woods and that type of stuff. And he's going to get in there and obviously work with an assistant de- defensive back coach. Garrett obviously has, you know, some, you know, relationship with Kiffin. It's going to be interesting how this all works. And, you know, look, it all can look great as it goes into it. Um, nobody has any idea how it's going to pan out. But it's, you know, it's interesting, and you see some of the ways that they're connecting these dots to some of the hires that they're doing. Uh, so, you know, it's impossible to know what any of these guys are going to do. I, I found the most interesting hire to me was Setu Smith. I hope I'm saying his name correctly uh, because he went to Harvard, uh, was a wide receiver there, has been a director of players ops uh, for uh, – another Ivy league team. And then he was a quarterbacks coach at Brown university and he got a master's in education at Durham university, which is apparently a, a uh, you know, big, you know, top school in England. Uh, so he's just an interesting dude. Um, Stephen Bravo Brown is seemingly been coaching nothing but receivers and they've got him uh, as a, uh, I think he's a quality control guy. Um, 
And the guy, the other guy who's interesting to me is Ryan Cordell because he's done the football ops side of this, and he's also been a guy in the box uh, for the San Francisco 49ers before. He was on. The, he he worked for the Browns last year in a different role. I think that's what he's gonna. I think he's gonna be the guy in the box uh, for Stefanski this year. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, obviously, some of the uh, you know Jeremy Garrett has connections to Jason Tarver at Vanderbilt. Uh, he was a quality control guy who worked with the defensive line down there after. He, he quit uh, a head coaching job after one year in, in Tennessee to join that staff. Uh, Brandon Lynch is, you know, the ultimate sort of grinded out guy, played in the NFL, played in the CFL, has been coaching all over the place. Uh, and, of course, stopped by the Minnesota Vikings at, at, you know, at, at some point, in this case, 2013. 